For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Check out the Hog Talk podcast, the newest addition to the Hit That Line podcast network. Find it on hitthatline.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback Baseball and the Ladybacks. Well, you know, I said it because I mean it. And like you said, I've said it before, you know, and all those things. And um, and, I, and I mean this, and I, I do. I, I just don't know where else I would go. Uh, what What is better for the Pittman family than the University of Arkansas? And the answer is that it just can't get better. And so, you know, uh, I said it because I, I mean it. Uh, but I also said it to, for recruits to know that, hey, if you want to come here, we're going to be here. And uh, uh, I think I think by now we've all heard that clip, but I could listen to it over and over and over again. Just listening to Sam Pittman talk about the passion that he not only has for the football program that he is the coach of, but just for this state, the fact that he wants to be here pretty much, as he has said, for the rest of his life. I think his wife, Jamie, has made that very clear. But I was too young, really, to comprehend what it meant other than just being a football coach when Houston Nutt coached here and was hired in 1997. And it wasn't until after he was gone into my adult years that I really truly began to appreciate what it also means to not, again, just have the passion for the program that you're coaching, but to grasp what the entire state is about. And that's what we have with Sam Pittman. And I could listen to that over and over and over again, as I know all that you guys probably had. Thanks for tuning in, guys, to episode number 132 of the Hog Talk podcast. I'm your Monday host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside Porter Hayes, and we thank you for joining us, as always. It's normally Ty's show on Friday, but we're going to be filling in and continuing to soak in all the aurora of coming off such a big win, having your second win of the season and being an SEC game. I know that it's an SEC conference schedule this year, but it's just got a whole nother feeling since it had been so long since you achieved that success. But guys, first off, I want to let you know that the podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. While you might not be at the game, during these trying times in our world right now, you can still get in on the action at betonline.com with spreads, totals, 
team to player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can also get involved with the online casino that never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag to sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Porter, I want to go ahead and elaborate a little bit on what I just said after that sound clip of Sam Pittman and you being a Clemson fan growing up, rooting for that team all these years. And Dabo Swinney had Dabo. I always, I always call him Dabo. That's actually the first time I ever pronounced it that way. He's always <laughs> had that slogan all in. And it's really began to take even more meaning as the more and more successful Clemson has become covering the Razorbacks and being a fan. I know you're a fan too, but, but you know, you're first a Clemson fan as far as putting your hat on and wearing the fan hat. Talk about the similarities, at least in terms of the coach buying into the program that you see with Sam Pittman and, and the tie in between him and Dabo, at least in that regard. It, it's honestly, it's like I'm watching Clemson in 2012 all over again, you know, watching the rise of it, you know, cause you, you see Clemson now, but you joke that it all started with a, a, a Peach Bowl victory over LSU. That's what start a fourth and sixteen play. Like we have the Hunter Henry Heave. Well, we had the fourth and sixteen play when the, Taj Boyd threw the ball to DeAndre Hopkins and kept that drive alive. And then they ended up scoring and kicking the game winning field goal. And it all went. You know, Dabo's got a bucket and he gives everybody a chip that says all in. And, and they put the, the players put those chips in that bucket before every game. It, it, it's a culture. And, and that's what I was trying to say is like when I first put, joined the podcast and before Clemson really started being good, I compared Clemson and Arkansas's programs very similar because just the passion of the fan base. And, and after the, the win over Mississippi State, I said, you know, the fans deserved this win because through everything, they're still one of the most – passionate fan bases in the country that that you can only really rival Nebraska with the setting of the only school in the state. So so watching this, it makes me proud. Seeing the Clemson players next to the Arkansas players, top plays who did it better, you know, with the Trevor Lawrence pass to Rodgers and the Traylon Burks catch. Of course, it was a runaway. Burks catch was so much better. But to me, I, I jokingly said on Twitter, it's like it was a 50-50 because – you know, you do get attached to the program. I'm attached to the women's basketball program. We have a very great relationship with Coach Neighbors. So it's it's hard to not be a fan, it, you know, and that's what I say. It's like just because you cover the team, you can still be a fan. Yes, Clemson's diehard my favorite team, but seeing what we're being able to witness and seeing all the fans and, and our discords blowing up saying, what do we do with the bye week? They're actually excited they're wanting football. When's the last time we've been able to say that? Yeah, that was actually going to be the first question that we got asked. We're going to get into the mailbag questions here in just a second. And I want to just point out that the reason I asked Porter that question before we get up in arms about us saying that that the Razorbacks are going to be the next national championship program, we're not getting to that point. We're just comparing because I think that there is some similarities between the two schools. So just wanted to clarify that. Uh, but well, but well I think and, that you and to right speak on, on that too, it's like you know, it's still you, I, you know, the moment I'm I'm speaking of, it still took four more years for sure. them to get to the title game. You know, sure. it, it wasn't an overnight deal. You know, but it, it's just the passion. I'm talking about the passion and, and how you've seen a program that was mediocre in the ACC. You know, and and now they're a top program 
in the ACC, you know, it's, it's to watch the rise and now you're getting to see it happen to Arkansas. Ten years ago, I, I said on Facebook and Twitter, the only way I'd ever see a Clemson National Championship was playing the video game. I mean, I just, you know, it pops up on my timeline all the time because you never thought. Now here we are saying we might win one. How many of us on the Hog Talk predicted that Arkansas would win one, two games? Now they're sitting at two and two. I mean, it's amazing. And, and I think this bye week gives us that time. I mean, until Monday. When, it, when it's time to go play the next game with, with A&M. But it gives you that extra time to really soak in what's happening. I mean, Coach Pittman is on fire. I mean, the way he's talking in his speech or sound clip, you can tell he is very, truly passionate, and he's just as proud as the team. It's like he's a fan coaching the Arkansas Razorbacks. Yeah, that's pretty much what we said when Cabo and I recorded for Monday's show is we're not going to focus on anything because there's definitely a lot of opportunities that I want to talk about on next week's podcast. But right now, we're focusing on the great defensive performance, some of the good things that we saw on offense, some of the good things that we saw on on special teams. We discussed all that, and we're going to talk about the remaining schedule for Arkansas moving forward, just the thing, because that's really when you get into the big dogs. I know that we already had Georgia, but you got Alabama, a&M is another good one. I know that LSU isn't the LSU that they normally are, but still, uh, that game's always competitive. Typically, it's either an LSU blowout or it's it's a close game with either LSU or Arkansas taking it. That's the way it seems maybe outside of 2014 and 2015. But we'll go ahead and get into the mailbag questions now that we bring up the bye week because that's the first one from Kelly Marie. We've got a couple, and she said, what do we do with no hog ball? The last three years we've celebrated the bye week. And I know that I could not agree more with that, especially being in Texas. The bye week either came typically around before or like right before or right after the A&M game. And as I've said so many times on here, having the amount of A&M fans that I – had there and normally if we if I would go watch the game somewhere other than my house it was with them like at a restaurant or a bar or something so uh, definitely just the lack of winning but also considering the surroundings that I was in I think that this should just be something that like we said continue to soak it in through this week we don't have to worry about some some of the struggles that happened uh, even despite the as how good the Ole Miss win was there still were again plenty of opportunities especially on offense but we don't have to worry about that we can worry about other teams this weekend enjoy time with your families it's we got some much cooler weather that's coming in i think it's going to be in the high 60s low or like low 40s or high 40s somewhere in there for uh the low temperatures but either way it's going to be really nice weather get outside enjoy it and once we get to sunday monday Actually, I say once we get to Monday, that's when we'll start really worrying about A&M. Well, another thing we need to think about, too, is, you know, how many Hog fans in the back of their mind after the Mississippi State game, they've seen the celebrations. I mean, that PTSD of, of clubbed up. You know, now they did it again. They, they won another game, and everybody's like, okay, now we're believing that they're good. So I, that's why I think it's really good for the Hog fans to really soak this in because, man, this, is, this wasn't just a fluke win over Mississippi State. Now they turned around. They should have won Auburn. That's in the past, but they should have won that game. They should be 3-1 and one right now. And, and so really soak it in and, and be like, look, they've got more wins now in the SEC than they've had the past four or five years. Yeah, and another question that that Kelly had, I thought was a good one that's been talked about a little bit. Actually, I brought it up on Monday's show is 
uh, give the odds of the Burlesworth and the Broyles and the boot. Oh, this one wasn't mentioned all coming home. So of course she's talking about the boot for the LSU game. I think that there's a very good chance. You're almost halfway through the season. I think there's certainly almost guaranteed that with two former walk-ons, well, I guess Hudson Clark is, uh, is legally by college standards, a walk-on still, even though Sam Pittman said that he's going to uh, give him one in January. I think that 100%, even with their play through four games, Hudson Clark or Grant Morgan is going to get the Burlesworth. And the reason I say that is because you have a very limited pool in FBS football. You don't have a lot of walk-ons to choose from. I think Baker Mayfield won it like two or three different times. Now, granted, he was a special kind of walk-on that ended up winning a Heisman. But I say all that to say that – you're going to have a limited pool, at least with that. Barry Odom, uh, right there, uh, I, he's definitely the the top right now for the Broyles Award. I don't think it's really even close. Uh, there's a lot of other offenses and defenses that have done very well, but considering the level of play that this defense is at to where they were the last couple of years, I think that it's definitely Barry's to lose at this point. But um, as Tommy said on the morning rush, you're you're at almost pretty much midterms right now. You got to see what happens the rest of the season. And while I do think that this is going to be a very competitive defense for the rest of the year, it's going to be extremely hard to live up to what they did against Ole Miss. Well, and and the Broyles Award and the Burlesworth Award are going hand in hand because you got to see what Odom is doing with these walk-ons. You know, that that's what's crazy about it. It's not this kid started as a walk on and now four years later, he turned into a budding star like a like a Baker Mayfield, Hunter Renfro. You know, these guys that started as a walk on and they end up getting scholarship. This is a once in a lifetime deal where a walk on is doing this kid ain't even on scholarship yet. And he's doing it. so. You know, like you said, with the, the talent pool, it's, it's very likely if I was to rank the, the three. One would be Odom because just the complete turnaround that he's done and, and the all-in and the culture he's changed with that defense and the hard hitting. I mean, that that hit on Moore, I mean, that can set a tone for the game. I, I said it on a previous pod when when the Clemson and LSU game was going on and Justin Ross went across the middle and Delpit hit him and laid him out. That kid was done the rest of the game. I mean, all it takes is one hit and you're not you're you're not wanting to go across the middle anymore. You've got that you know, your peripheral visions looking at the defender, not the ball. I mean, it can change a whole landscape. And then the boot. I mean, I honestly think because um, as I've seen today, Brennan is um, out against South Carolina. He's facing an injury. So we need to see how that progresses. But I really, the way he is changing up the schemes and Odom is confusing these quarterbacks with his blitz schemes and all that, I really see it it's tough for them not to beat LSU. And our next question is from Jay Hawes. I, I'm, I'm having to proofread this to make sure that there's no dirty words in it. Before we, uh, that's, that's typically what Ty has to do. He usually screens it. Usually, usually my job's really, really easy on a uh, Friday show. I just sit back next and man talk, up. But yeah, so uh, let's see. What, what am I supposed to do with myself this weekend, which we basically answered that. Uh, I think that uh, that's good. Uh, Jay Hawes, I know you mentioned that you're going to be doing a job in Ohio and you get to take your family with you. That's great. So I'm not sure when that is, but definitely spend some time with them. How do we look from a health standpoint? Right now, it's definitely better that you got Rakeem Boyd back. You got Traylon Burks back, and Traylon definitely played at a high level. I don't think Rakeem is fully healthy right now. 
Dorian Gerald, I'll just that's one that I'll just believe he's back when I when I see him back. Now we really just haven't heard a whole lot about him in the last couple of weeks. Monteric Brown, kind of the same situation. We've heard about him. You were thinking it's a concussion that it could be back. He would have been back by the Ole Miss game, but that obviously did not happen. And so I think that we'll have probably the majority of the guys back since you have uh, uh, two weeks to rest, and then Grant Morgan can get healed up. I still don't know that he'll be playing at 100%, but you know you're going to have to carry him off the field. Is there going to be more, is there going to be more experimentation on the lines on both sides? Honestly, I have no idea. I would imagine so. You would think, especially on the offensive line, that's just been yeah, exactly. very, very. I, yeah. I would say, yeah, the and that was the thing that Sam Pittman really emphasized in in his interview uh, on halftime was, you know, he, they re- they need to get everybody healthy first, and then you know they're, they're he's given the guys a couple of days off, you know, to get healthy, and then Monday they're going to start establishing the run game. That's very important because. There's there's only so much this defense is going to be able to handle. They really need to, you know, get that run game going to keep the defense healthy. Because I mean that's, you know, you start doing a lot of three and outs, and you know what little defense you have out there. If they start all getting banged up, you it could be big trouble. And some of these games that now we're saying right now that they could win could really be in jeopardy if you're losing, especially the linebackers and the, I mean, the, the back end between the linebackers and the safeties. I mean, just the intensity that they're playing with is unreal. Well, and one of the ones that I missed, speaking of linebacker, which ties into Haas's last question, who would have thought our linebackers were going to be a, a crucial centerpiece to the defense? And how impressed are you with the youth in the secondary doing their jobs? Yeah, Bumper Pool should be back for the, for the A&M game and just having him and Grant Morgan on the field at the same time will be will be key but how many times did I especially we all mentioned it I think at some point but bumper pool was the one that we're like okay we've got him what do we have outside of him Hayden Henry stepped up Grant Morgan is Hayden Henry has gone from average to good Grant Morgan's gone from good to great there's just been so many guys in the, and and I mean even Andrew Parker when he's gotten in it's not like he's set the world on fire but he's at least gotten some valuable reps and so we don't really have a ton of depth but the thing is we don't have a lot of depth at linebacker or a lot of other positions or at least that we knew about but it's just the the guys are stepping up and they're in the right it's it's amazing what a player can do when they are completely focused when they buy in and when they are lined up in the correct spot and we've said this before but I think that it's like Barry Odom just has these guys in the perfect position I think that's also a credit to linebacker coach Ryan Rhodes to defensive backs coach Sam Carter I mean you there is so many Derek LeBlanc on the defensive line like all this defensive staff has just done a great job of making sure that these guys are ready in the biggest capacity and they're just always flying to the ball and that's what has made them so great that's one of the many things that have made them so great but I could just harp on and on especially about Grant Morgan because I harped about how much I didn't trust him for the longest time but honestly I want to get him on the pod and I want to tell him how much I respect him, how much, and not, and again, my opinion is completely irrelevant to him. All of ours are anybody on, that talks into a microphone and it's completely irrelevant to him, but that was truly the grittiest performance and the most heroic performance that and, I have, have ever to seen. Rival Brandon Allen's, yeah. you know, one of those performances. Yeah. I mean, you put it up at the top and we're talking yeah. all time. You yeah. had to put it up there with Brandon Allen, but man, there's something in the water in Greenwood. I'm telling you, we had Drew Morgan on the pot, and I mean, he's just his electricity and bringing the juice, and 
you know, the Hannibal's we've had on the pod and what, you know, the walk on Morgan up there at Arkansas and his little brother Jordan at Greenwood. Everyone I've talked to, they carry themselves off the field as pure gentlemen. But once they put that helmet on and they step on the field, it's a different machine. And I, I credit that to the program that Greenwood has. Yeah, and the the last question, I guess, kind of ties in with that, at least ties into the defense. It's from one of our newest members of Discord, Bearded Hog. This is actually a really good one. I'm glad he brought this up. I want to know if you think the, to drop eight – so drop eight – or I'm sorry, rush three, drop eight. So I guess I had that right. Safety's defense is going to continue to work against A&M and beyond. A&M is going to run – they're going to try to run it. Jimbo Fisher, he'll throw it if he can. Uh, obviously, when he had Jameis, he did that. He had some really good quarterbacks at Florida State, but he wants to establish the run. And he's going to try to do that with Isaiah Spiller. I, I want to say that their other running back they had either got hurt or, or somebody transferred. I can't remember exactly what happened there. But I said that you're not going to be able to rush – three and drop eight against Ole Miss, but that was a little bit different because they had such a strong passing attack to go with a rushing attack. But I do think that they probably switch it up a little bit and go with more of a multiple, not saying that they're not going to drop eight in certain scenarios, but I just don't really see why you would do that against a team that is going to favor the run, or at least you would think that A&M's got just like we do. They've got a bye week, so they're going to have time to prepare, extra time to prepare like our coaches will. But I'd, I would probably venture to guess that you don't drop eight in very many scenarios against them. Well, and I'll, I'll, I'll get more into that on the Texas A&M. We start breaking down the rest of the schedule. But I'm telling you, as long as you're getting pressure with the three, then go for it. Now, now if you start not getting pressure and they start running on you and, and getting, you know, being successful about your three and eight – but keep going with it. You know, you're not, that's one of the things, as long as it's successful, you, you can't go to the well too many times with that. You know, that's where I say, you know, that's the biggest thing they've been so successful because they've been getting pressure. That's been leading to a lot of these interceptions and missed throws and the, the drives that are driving down the field and they stall in the, in the red zone, you know? So my theory is as long as it's successful and you're getting pressure with those three guys, then there's no need, but, other than Alabama, there's no real marquee running back that would gash you. I mean, we thought that about Kalen Hill with uh, Mississippi State because he was just an all-purpose monster, and they were shut down. So, I mean, that's – like I said, later on we talk about the Texas a I'll give more of my opinion on that. But as long as it's successful, keep doing it. Yeah, we're actually about to get into that here in a second as we as we kind of just not necessarily do a full breakdown, but just touch on the rest of the hog schedule and what that looks like based on what the their certain opponents have looked like to this point in the season. But guys, we do the mailbag, Discord questions, whatever you want to call it. Every Friday show, or at least most Friday shows, depending on how much content that we have. But uh, we get, we love it when you guys get involved. Always love to hear from you. If you haven't been joined in on the Discord, I think the link is on our Twitter, or at least we can post it. We usually do it during the weekend for games, so that way we can have as many people involved as possible. But join in on that. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen, we're there. Proud to be a part of the Hit That Line ESPN Arkansas Network and very proud as well to be a part of the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, the fact that we are on two is um, just been a blessing that we have one of the many blessings that we've received in 2020. And please, uh, again, just be sure to 
subscribe, leave us a written review, let us know how we're doing. At Supporter, we're going to get into the schedule, at least the remaining one, the, the final six games that the Razorback ha- had. It's crazy that we're going into week five. I mean, it's like we wait all year, especially this year, for football season to happen. And then it's like after week one, it's you blink and it's over. And so now we've got the bye week. We go Then we go to Kyle Field on Halloween night, 6.30, SEC Network for now. That is definitely subject to change. And kind of going back, I don't want to break it down too hard because we will do that next week. But I, I think that this one is going to be and, – and I know that I always look at the, uh, the gla- glass half-empty perspective. It's just because – I do trust this team a lot more than I did, but I'm still understand. I know you are too, very understanding of the fact that they are very young. They still are unexperienced despite how well they've played. Can they continue that as they do start to play consistently better teams? And I think A&M is one of them and they are going to have a problem with their rushing attack. Yeah, they they will. But in my deal is with Kellen Mond. I don't trust him as yeah, a quarterback. I agree. Uh, that that that's where I I said it as soon as I seen what they were doing to Lane Kiffin's offense and and credit to Ruskin and Zach. You know they post some breakdowns on their Twitter page and I was really looking at had just how confused they had Corral. I mean they had him confused and you notice. I mean Kellen Mond is an average quarterback I don't I don't need I don't consider him and this is not a dig this is not a troll job I see him as an average quarterback he he short arms every throw and I just think when he gets flustered in his decision making he does a lot of check downs you know so if they're dropping you know they're rushing three dropping eight it's going to be to me it's going to be the same instance he's going to make some throws and he's going to throw some picks and I think that is going to be the difference in the game they're going to get their rushing yards but I don't think they're going to consistently get enough with their running game that they can fully rely on that to win the game. But just seeing how, you know, Arkansas has been flying into the ball and hitting the, you know, the receivers over the middle, I really think it's going to be more difficult for Mond. And, and you got to look at Franks, what, who we got on our side. You know, I think Franks is a better quarterback than Mond. Yeah, I'm not a big Mond guy either. He's – I think his first year when he was a freshman, when he played against Arkansas. Now, obviously, we haven't beaten them, and this will be nine years if we lose next week. But I've just never really been that impressed with him either. I think he had a pretty decent game against Arkansas that year, which I guess was 2017, one of the overtimes that we lost. But I, I say that they're going to struggle with the running game, but I don't think they're going to lose the the ball game. I am going to pick Arkansas. I don't know what it, the, what I'm going to say the score will be. But I've gotten a lot of heat for not picking Arkansas really over the last couple of years. And I know that it seems like the luck might actually uh, go that way if I pick it. It might go the Razorbacks' way if I pick against them. But I am going to trust them against the Aggies. Uh, I am going to pick them. We'll just we'll see what that number will be <laughs> once we put our picks out. But then on November 7th, Tennessee comes to Arkansas. That was initially, I think, uh, when the original schedule for 2020 was posted, that was supposed to be the Halloween game. But Porter, Tennessee, they're in shambles. I said before the season started that this was going to be a team that continued to build off the eight-win season last year. They won eight of their last nine. Looked like they had a pretty stout defense. I think they were actually up on Georgia at halftime. But I haven't seen this confirmed, but it is rumored that they have people just randomly – 
coming in. I don't know if they're coming in off the street, but they're playing different. I guess they maybe took a page out of Kentucky's book and they're just trying different guys at, at first team reps for quarterback, but they have a disaster on their hands. I mean, firing the defensive line coach between the end of the game and Monday, this, this might be a good time to, to play Tennessee if you're Arkansas. Oh, definitely. No, definitely. Cause I mean, they're, I mean, that's another team that's in shambles. I mean, I think what's his Guantanamo? I can't. Really, uh, Guant- I think it's Guantano. I, Guantano. I, I mean, he, I think he's been there six years and he's not done anything. I don't know. I mean, that guy's been on campus forever and he's just not. I mean, it seems like he had that one big game where, where they had the Hail Mary and you've seen Butch Davis to, you know, getting on the on his knees at, at half to, you know, at the 50 yard line. And I mean, it's like he took that and just kept feeding him the ball. I mean, when he, you're not producing and it's just that whole team, you talking about buying in and being all in, you could be all out just as quick. And I think with some of these programs, man, it's like Jenga. It takes so long to build a foundation of a team and get that culture built. But man, you start losing and, and just a couple of wrong moves and that tower just falls. Well, and I, I'm not going to quite give – I really like Jeremy Pruitt a lot. I don't know if you remember there in 2006. So I was like a – or 2005, 2006. I was like a junior, senior in high school around that time. And there was a show called Two-A-Days on MTV. They followed Hoover High School. It was, it was sort of like Last Chance U, except it was high school. And they followed Hoover like the first season they ended up playing in the opener, um, I think, of the 2005 season. They played Nice High School where Tim Tebow was. But – Jeremy Pruitt was the defensive coordinator there, and I really liked him when I first saw him there, and then I watched him go up through the college ranks at Florida State and Georgia and Alabama before going to Tennessee. I really trust him as a coach. I don't think that he has I – don't, I don't know that he has the ability to coach offense, at least as of right now, because he's so defensive-minded. And then he's got Jim Chaney in the booth, which Jim Chaney has had his moments. He had some – Decent success at times for Arkansas. I know a lot of people didn't care for him, but he did. I think he really did help B.A., him and Dan Enos both, help his development. But I'm just not so sure that Jeremy Pruitt has the offensive staff there right now. He clearly doesn't have a quarterback, like you said, that he can trust. But I'm not going to quite give up on him yet. But right now, I do think is a perfect time for the Razorbacks to play them. And also, on November 14th, another team, we don't even know if it's going to happen they are supposed to go to Gainesville. Now we are three weeks away from that. So a lot, I think it's Monday as of right now, depending on how the COVID tests go on Sunday night, that they will be able to practice or not practice. But either way, I, I want to say that that one is the week after. I, I think we play them the week after the Georgia game, or we either play them the week after or the week before. So they're either going to be beat up and more than likely sloppy or they're going to be looking to that game and probably pretty sloppy. I really do think that they can go to Gainesville and take down the Gators. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one, and that's another thing we talked about before the season started. You know, you're not walking into Kyle Field where 100-plus thousand. You're not walking into the swamp where 80,000, 90,000 people. You know, you're walking into a a, a – just a minuscule amount of fans and and that could change between now and then, or there could be no fans in Florida. I don't know what the state, you know, that could change at any time, but 
that really helps teams like Arkansas. You know, if you're building this momentum and you keep winning and winning and winning, and then you go into a hostile environment like the Swamp or Kyle Field, I mean, it, that could totally change your game plan up. So, yeah, I mean, all these games, man, that we've been mentioning and just how they've been getting the effort out of the second and third string in their walk-ons, when they get fully healthy on defense and they get fully healthy on offenses, I mean, Arkansas is going to be a scary team. Yeah, and also, too, that's the Felipe Franks homecoming to Florida. And another thing I was thinking about, Florida has hands down the best tight end of the nation in Kyle Pitts, in my opinion. And last week, they also played another really good one in Kenny Yaboa, held him to zero catches, really was not – I don't even think he was targeted. Or it was if he was, it was probably during one of the six interceptions. But this guy had four touchdowns going into that game, averaged over 20 yards per reception. We'll see if they can shut down Kyle Pitts. But, again, we're not even confident that this is going to to, to happen. But I, I really like the Razorbacks considering the situation. I think that you get a, t- a Tennessee team at a, at a very perfect time. Now, granted, you know, again, that's two weeks away. So who, a lot can happen. Maybe they, maybe they have some positive tests, Lord forbid. But either way, as Mississippi State, we saw with them from week one, there is just so many things that can happen in three weeks or two weeks or whatever the case may be. And then right after Florida, LSU comes into town that we touched on just a second ago in our mailbag questions. Who, again, what is LSU going to look at? We don't know the, the status with Miles Brennan. I don't believe – I think that LSU, again, kind of like I was saying about Tennessee, I don't think that Tennessee is as bad of a team as they looked against Kentucky, which, by the way, I got to give a quick shout-out to Kentucky. We're talking about Georgia's defense and Arkansas's defensive all, – all of those performances that they've had this year, especially Arkansas's against Ole Miss. Kentucky's against Tennessee was phenomenal. They've allowed seven points in the last two games. Their offense shut out uh, – or, or their defense shut out – Mississippi State's offense, I think that they got a two-point – or they scored on a safety and got two points, Mississippi State did. But nine turnovers and seven points allowed in the last two games. Definitely had to give them a quick uh, shout-out there. But I really don't know by the eighth game of the season, is LSU – we know they're talented. Will Miles Brennan be healthy? Will they start to come together, or will it just continue to be like it is? Yeah, and it was something that was crazy that I was thinking about when we were talking about LSU earlier, and it goes back to the coaching. Think about how much LSU has lost, and everybody's talking about the big drop-off and you know what they've lost, and look what Arkansas has done with the coaching. They've, they are basically playing with the same kind of talent, and they're winning, and they're doing very good because of the coordinators. That's, that's where this coaching – they didn't just lose a bunch of players. They lost their offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. So that's going to be a huge – that's going to come huge into if this is a tight net ball game, how are they going to game plan? And another thing that has changed, I've mentioned on another podcast, is Arkansas is actually adjusting at halftime. Is LSU going to be able to adjust to what Arkansas is doing on defense? Because, I mean, you know, you we're talking about the Clemson-Arkansas comparison and how – Barry Odom has these guys flying around on defense and having fun. Man, if this doesn't mirror Brent Venables and, and what he's done at Clemson, just, just how he gets these guys flying to the ball and hitting and having fun, that, that's what's scary to me. Well, and you brought up the coaching, and that's what a lot of people were saying last year about LSU is you had all that experience, you had all that talent, but you also had Joe Brady, 
who moved on to the NFL. You had Dave Aranda, one of the best defensive minds in the game, that's now the head coach at Baylor. I don't know. I never understood the Bo Pelini hire. I think that was kind of an emergency just because Dave Aranda did take the Baylor job a little bit late. And so Bo Pelini had been there previously. He was under Saban as defensive coordinator. But I think that guy, once he left LSU, he had a little bit of success at Nebraska, but he's been washed for a long time. The guy sounds, just, like, sounds kind of similar to a John Chavis hire, if you ask me. It, it kind of is. He's just a little bit younger. But Bo Pelini, he's a jerk, man. Like that, I, I understand that coaches, I, I'm all about them being hard on their players, but that guy's just a flat out jerk. Like just yeah. a the mean kid on the playground. I've never really cared for him, and he just. Uh, I, but I do. It's crazy that his fake Twitter account is little. It receives more attention than his actual one. But I know. I was going to say actually that pretty too. good. One. I, that's yeah. a pretty good one. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that Arkansas's got another leg up in that one. So again, you you look at the teams on paper, but you also look at their situations and it's like, well, yeah, they probably are a better team. They are a better team on paper, but right now, Arkansas has, as we, as we speak at this moment, as we're recording on October 22nd, they had the momentum probably over just about any sec team, maybe other than Alabama right now. Well, and another thing, speaking about Alabama, you're talking about schedule. Is this not the best year with, with the progress they're having? Is this not the best year that Arkansas needs to be playing Alabama the last game of the season. Oh, yeah, that's it's like what I'm getting at is like what I'm getting at is you're not playing, you're not building up this momentum, then you run into a buzzsaw and you get get players hurt or you get blown out and your your momentum gets dropped. I mean, you're playing them the very last game of the season. And as we're looking at the schedule now and we're looking at the teams, that's the only team that everybody's worried about. If you look at the fans and the players, the Alabama game is the most concerning. Every other game on the schedule is gettable. Yeah, right before Alabama, you've got Missouri, and that was that's one of the teams that had the the surprising win over LSU. Nobody was expecting that, just like they were expecting, weren't expecting the Mississippi State game uh, the way that that turned out, but. A lot of Drinkwitz, I'll say it, uh, the guy's got a big mouth. I think that he's a little bit too arrogant for being such a – not just a first-year head coach in the SEC, but second-year head coach overall. But he can call plays with the best of them. I know that he gave Clemson a couple of fits as, as NC State offensive coordinator, our friend Ellis Tolbert from 4th and 16. I've had a lot of conversations with him about that. Um, I, I, Porter, I mean, again, I know that you you saw some of the things that he was able to do in the ACC. Had some pretty, Oh, yeah. Yeah, had some and, good and success. And they were a missed field goal away from winning that game, to be honest. That's right. I remember that. Yeah, that was 2016, yep. I believe. That was 2016, the year, the, the year they won their first national title. And, and um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that was the year. They either lost to Pitt at home that year or they lost to Syracuse that year. But they'd already lost one game. Yeah. And NC State almost kicked a game-winning field goal to knock them out of the uh, college football playoff picture. But, yeah, it was – I mean, it was dead middle – and shanked it. And so thank you, NC State. Well, and Elia is a – he's the Alma guy, not too far from where you're from. And yep. so, he, he, you know, he has this game in the back of his mind. And Barry Odom, I know, is going to have these players very focused, and he's going to be just as focused as they are. But if you think that he's going to Columbia and there is nothing personal for him in this game, you're dead wrong. Uh, that's his alma mater. He obviously coached there. Probably got a pretty – Big raw deal as I would define it, but I'm fine with it. As I've said before, their trash is our treasure. We'll gladly yep. take it. And so 
I, that's going to be a little bit tougher. I'll, I'll say this much. I know that we, we're all pretty much, it's a unanimous thing within our staff that we don't really think that this is a rivalry, but I don't think it's as far off as people realize, especially Man, you're reading my mind. Yeah. And that's, as, I think a lot of people don't want to admit that it's a rivalry because Missouri's not an Alabama or an LSU, but you got to think that the, the linebacker who was running his mouth the, the couple of years ago and, and Arkansas has just never – it's like Texas A&M. You, you hate them so much because you haven't beat them in a very long time and you, want, you know you can beat them. You've been in a position to beat them so long. I think that's where this hatred goes away. I think when Arkansas wins, and I think they will, I, I think then if, if Arkansas starts going on a little run, I think that rivalry aspect will go away. But as of right now, you're just wanting to beat them so bad that it's – it resembles a rivalry. And that's the first step is uh, Arkansas yeah. has to win. And since Missouri has joined the SEC, Arkansas has only won once, and that was in 2015. So definitely real. that's a big one this year. And then you finish off the season, the regular season at least, on December 5th against Alabama at home. Oh, man. I'm, I don't want – in the past two or three years, I've just been like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to – I'm not even going to – put a score out there i'm just gonna say yes alabama by a million but i'll tell you i i think that this is going to be a lot closer than people think it might be a game where alabama might win by 14 uh that that's a possibility but I, i'm gonna say i i think with the way that things are going right now it's not fair to say or not unfair to say that the razorbacks are going to compete or even maybe possibly win this game if they can get some offense going yeah, that's the key. And another thing is, in which we've seen in the Georgia game against Alabama, you better not turn the ball over. I mean, you're driving down the field and you throw, and it goes from a seven point game, you throw a pick and they go score. Now it's a 14 point game. So to keep it close and to keep it where you're competitive, I mean, you're, you cannot throw picks. You cannot, I mean, you're going to have to have zero turnovers in this game because, man, with Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell, you know, Mac Jones is just – he's plug-and-play when it comes to the new quarterback system they got at Alabama. I mean, I think they're going to be able to slow them down, but the, the key to that game is going to be zero turnovers because that one turnover can go from a seven- or a 14-point game to a 14-point game or a blowout. Yeah, and that's the big kicker that – I'm just going to bring it up now and we're really going to harp on next week is – uh, guys, I mean, let's just call it what it is. The offense, just outside of that 95-yard drive, the offense stunk. I mean, they stunk. Yeah. And they've had a lot of a lot of times this year where, they, where they've stunk. I'm not saying it's on Felipe Franks. I'm not saying it's on the running game. I'm not saying it's on some of the drop balls. I'm saying it's the mixture uh, of a bunch of different things. So we're going to break that down some next week. But, but again, Porter, as I was saying at the beginning – it's just going to be – I know that Clemson plays this weekend, but at least for, like, Razorback fans, it's just going to be a, a just a nice change at least. I know that we we still want football and we're itching for a game because of how the how high the, the ceiling has become for the Razorbacks now, or at least it's definitely become a lot higher than it was. But uh, it's cool to just to have that one little week to relax for a little bit, enjoy the fall and just kick back and watch some other teams beat up on it. Oh, team. definitely. And and I was up, me and my wife, we went up to Branson last weekend, and we went out Saturday, and and we were up there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And we went to the, the landing on Friday, and there was a bunch of people out, you know, roaming around. You've seen mixtures of people wearing their team. 
I'll tell you what, on Sunday, when we was at the landing, you should have seen the amount of people wearing Razorback gear, wearing, wearing their shirts and their hats, and, and walking proud. I mean, that's another aspect of it. When is the last time you have been able to wear a Razorback T-shirt or a hat and been proud? Hey, just like I've, I said, I've talked about it really since the Mississippi State win, yep. or, is I would not wear my Arkansas stuff in public when I was in Texas. Not because I, I love I love my hogs. I always – and I never thought that it would get to that point. In 2017, I pondered it at the end of the Bielema era, but it got to the point – after – pretty much after we lost to North Texas, I was very careful about it. But when we lost to San Jose State, I don't think I wore a Razorback shirt or hoodie or hat or anything – the rest of my time in Texas, but you know what? I will be watching Hocus Pocus at a drive-in theater this weekend with a, <laughs> with a six and an eight-year-old and my girlfriend, and I will be proudly wearing a Razorback hoodie if it's chilly that night or, or maybe even have to break out the sweatpants, but I will be proudly boasting my Razorback gear. Hey, it makes me want to go buy a hat. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, that will do it for this. I guess that was a pretty long segment one. Uh, we're going to hit a break here, and then Porter will have his weekly women's sports report. That's been great. If you hadn't been able to listen to that, the soccer team's doing really well. Uh, that's one of the uh, – it wasn't number five that they They beat? were number three. They had number a setback, three. which I'll, I'll okay. go. But I'll tell you what, the, yeah. the women's cross-country team's ranked number one. They're blowing people away in the, in the cross-country event. So, yeah, stay tuned for the weekly women's sports report. And guys, we're extremely proud to not just bring you football, basketball, baseball content. We're proud to sponsor. We're going to hopefully uh, all to all to plan as Coach Neighbors will be on Monday's show. Got a great relationship with him and love the, what he is building up here at the University of Arkansas. But we're trying to cover as many as things as we can. Women's golf, tennis, cross country. Porter's been doing a great job of doing a recap of that. But we try to bring attention to those sports, but also another one that I don't think really anybody thinks of because they aren't recognized by the NCAA is the hockey team. And they've been pretty successful uh, since I think they came around in 2008. 2008, 2009 was their first season. And in that time, their record's 120 and one. So extremely impressive. Successful. Yeah. And, and I actually, um, the, uh, the head coach, Keller Sims, joined me on the Workman's Travel Center hotline, which we'll hear after the break. Um, and just just a really cool story talking about how different recruiting is and just some of the th operations that they do since they don't report directly to Hunter Urichek. They're at, they actually, as of right now, are a part of the Southeastern Collegiate Hockey Conference, and they are going to officially on uh, for the 2020-2021 school year, they're going to move to the Mid-America Collegiate Hockey Association. And so you're going to talk about a little bit what that means. And, and you could tell very clearly that I don't know a lot about hockey. I like it a lot. It's just really hard for me to keep up with that, baseball, football, <laughs> basketball, all that. So um, so then we'll have that uh, in the next segment. Uh, segments, I guess, is plural. And uh, that will be right after the break. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. We will be right back. The Hawk Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence and handy. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Nine three three six. 
Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. Back on episode number 132 of the Hog Talk Podcast, and joining me on the Workman's Travel Center hotline is Arkansas head hockey coach Keller Sims. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Keller. It's appreciate to be talking with you. Or it's a privilege to be talking with you, excuse me. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. So uh, – I know that there's a lot of fans that are not aware that the Razorbacks do have a hockey team. I know that you guys now, correct me if I'm wrong, you are not recognized by the NCAA, right? Correct. Okay, and uh, so it's, and it's been uh, – this is – I guess there's been 11 seasons. Uh, you guys recently announced that you're withdrawing your membership from the Southeastern Collegiate Hockey Conference, and you're going to join the Mid-America Collegiate Hockey Association. That's effective beginning school year next year during 2020-21. Talk about some of the things that led up to you guys doing that. Yeah, so uh, we are not uh, NCAA-level um, hockey. And so the major governing body for that is uh, the ACHA, uh, American Collegiate Hockey Association, has been since the early 90s. And uh, over the past year or two, uh, a couple of, guess, yes, 20, 30 teams left the ACHA to form their own league called the CHF, their College Hockey Federation. And um, the league, the SEC voted as a league um, to join the CHF. And uh, that put us in kind of a bind ge- uh, geographically. We uh, would have been the westernmost most team in the entire league. And also, you know, you lose that stability of being in a league that's been around for 20, I guess, 30, almost 30 years now. And so we just didn't uh, – we understand why those teams made that move, and we respect that, you know, everyone's got to do what's best for them. Um, but at the end of the day, it w- made more sense for us to stay and uh, kind of join a new conference with a lot of teams that we already have played a bunch and have some established rivalries with. What other teams are there in the SEC? Um, so every SEC school except for LSU um, has a hockey team, a club hockey team at, at some level. Um, you know, the strength of those programs and, and how um, successful and serious they take it varies across the board. Um, but the SEC hockey conference was made up, I guess now is made up of every SEC school except for Missouri and us who are in the, the MACA, that new conference, and then Texas A&M participates in a Texas conference just because travel would be a nightmare. And you guys have been pretty good. I mean, actually really good since it started in 2008, 2009, record of 100. So 100 wins, 21 losses, one tie. And there's, I know that there's quite a few conference. Is there conference titles or even further than that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, had, uh, uh, we have the record in the SEC titles. We have six um, since its inception as a hockey conference in 2009, I believe. And so – um, we've always taken a lot of pride in that and we've had a lot of success at that level. Uh, we also have, um, made quite a few trips to the national tournament, which is, is a huge accomplishment. Uh, only 16 teams go out of everyone. And it, it, it's a very difficult journey to get there. And, uh, I believe we have, uh, if last year would have happened due to the COVID issues, we would have had five appearances at nationals. 
So we've had a lot of success uh, along the road. And, you know, a lot of people have helped contribute to that, a lot of athletes and people behind the scenes. But it's it's been really nice uh, to build our program up over this time. And a little bit about you is you grew up in Wichita Falls, Texas, right there in the kind of the north central part of the state, right there on the Oklahoma line. And I know that hockey's fairly big in the DFW area. They love their Dallas Stars. But with Texas and Oklahoma being pretty football crazy states, like what what got you into hockey being from around that area? Yeah, um, you know, I grew up just like everyone else uh, playing baseball and, and basketball and, you know, hockey or uh, football in the front yard and maybe a little bit of roller hockey here and there. Um, but it was just something I was always kind of uh, drawn towards. I really liked it. That was kind of my favorite thing to do. And uh, eventually, you know, we got an ice rink there in Wichita Falls. We had a junior hockey team, which is um, 20 and under pretty high level stuff. Uh, you can see them all over the place, but uh, kind of took off from there, ended up playing in Dallas leagues, playing club hockey, uh, growing up, it's about an hour and a half drive. So a lot of time in the car, uh, pretty dedicated to it, but it just, I don't know, like my neighborhood, a bunch of kids grew up playing it, got into roller hockey a little bit. And then first time I got on the ice, it kind of clicked and went from there. And you went to the U of A, I assume you played hockey there as well. Yeah, for a little bit. Okay. And so when, uh, when did you start coaching? Like at the uh, university? Yeah, I joined oh, um, in 2017, I believe. I'd have to think maybe 2016 as an assistant coach and um, did that for a couple seasons and then have been head coach for the past two. And so uh, this is, I guess, a question for you during like around the time that you were picking college. But when you guys are trying to, I guess, it, recruiting, I can imagine, is quite a bit different. And that was what I was going to ask you about. Is it more about, OK, that you're going after kids that maybe are coming to the university for uh, for a business degree or a law degree and you guys recruit them in that way? Then they just happen to be hockey players. How does that all work? Yeah, it's definitely changed a lot since uh, back then. I, I came to school in 2009 and um we were still a very new program. So it was basically just kind of word of mouth. Um, you know, a lot of players that I played with or against in Dallas were coming up here and, you know, we were going to, they had a lot of interest in building up the program and, and the school is the main reason why we came back then was our, whatever major we wanted to do or, you know, our interests. And then the hockey was kind of second. Uh, but it's really, really progressed. Now, you know, we go to showcases and, and uh, try and get these, talented kids out of juniors we get some transfers from uh some other ncaa programs that uh want to you know they mainly pick the school and then they the program has had such a success that it's and it's good hockey that they want to come here and play as well um but it's it's a mixed bag you know you get kids that uh, want to come here just for the school and and play hockey uh as a bonus and so they kind of recruit themselves and you know they'll reach out to us and we'll make sure we get them involved and in our tryout process and then I say the uh, probably the other 60, 70% are kids that we reach out to and, and try and get on campus to come play for us. Is that pretty much nationwide or do you guys typically stay like within your region? Um, we definitely, I would say the majority of our roster is made up by touch state players um, just because of the tuition breaks that are offered for those kids. It's easier to scout um, word of mouth between players and, you know, they may have seen us play at some point, but we have kids from all over the place. We've got uh, 
kid from Arizona. We've got Michigan. Um, our goalies from Slovakia. <laughs> I mean, it kind of it's wide reaching, but for the most part, my roster is Texas and Oklahoma kids. Or uh, sorry, Texas and Missouri kids. And, and you said the name of what you got. The I guess the acronym is MACA. Is what they call it. Uh, yeah, Maca or Maca. Maca, okay. And so do you report to, like, do the coaches, do y'all report to someone within that organization? I would imagine, or may, or is it Hunter Juracek? How does that all work out? No, so we um, we have our program director who is a, uh, is a faculty at the school who we will uh, report to directly, and then we follow under kind of the UREC umbrella. Um, so we haven't had really any – uh, association with the athletic department in the past couple of years. Um, we used to be able to work out at the football facility and had a little bit more of that stuff going on. Um, but just, you know, new staff, new um, leadership is, you know, you have to build those inroads back up. Gotcha. So now I, I know that you said you went there, you played hockey and you majored in kinesiology. You now have your doctorate in physical therapy. How do you manage? I, I can imagine you've become a master at time management, being a head coach and also being a doctor of physical therapy. That's got to take up quite a bit of your time, I, I would imagine. Yeah, uh, you, you get good at uh, multitasking time management uh, kind of go from the rink in the morning straight to the clinic uh, and then from the clinic home to either, you know, watch some film or, you know, plan out your practices for the next week or even do some recruiting, things like that. Uh, it's definitely easier. I have a good team around me. I have a lot of good assistant coaches and GAs that do a lot of work and, and help out in that regard. And, you know, it's just, I mean, we do this cause we want to do it right. We, we love it. And I, I love my players and, and take pride in our program and our school. And so, you know, when times get tough and start getting bogged down, that really helps kind of drive. It's, it's been funny, you know, obviously COVID's uh, not an ideal situation for anyone. And it's kind of put us behind the eight ball this season, not starting. I think this was the first couple of Saturdays I've got to just sit down and watch a hogs football game in a long time. Yeah, that and that was a good one to watch. It's, uh, it's, it's the it started off very well, I think. And I know that there's a lot of controversy from la the last week, but hey, man, you know I, I'm very happy to be in this position. But well, as we close out here, uh, let's talk about how we can uh, how how we as a fan base can help you guys out. Uh, again, I know that 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 you guys don't have a ton of exposure, but mm -hmm. what are some things that we can do? What are some ways that we can watch? Yeah, so. Um... Usually uh, all of our home games are um, broadcast on our YouTube channel. Uh, we have a great group that come out and do an awesome broadcast top of the line. Um, they'll, so they'll broadcast all of our home games. Usually away teams will have their own uh, feed that we'll kind of share on Twitter or Facebook or something. Once we get the links uh, on game day, I don't know what our attendance situation is going to look like this year. Uh, if we're going to allow fans that'll really depend on our facility at the Jones center and kind of our, the university's rules as well. Um, but we have, uh, we normally play Friday night, Saturday nights, if we're or Friday night, Saturday afternoons, if we're at home, uh, we can fit a pretty good amount of people in the Jones center. We've had some packed buildings and it really is a fun atmosphere. You know, hockey's a fast game, a physical game. I think it translates well to, what people would be interested in it's and you know pace of play is up and there's the physicality a lot of people like from football and things like that 
Uh, we have our Twitter, our website, Facebook, Instagram. We post a lot on social media. Uh, we've really grown our following the past couple of years. We've had a couple of students and GAs that have helped a ton with that. Um, but we post information on like our jersey sales and our home games, away game schedule, everything there. So uh, I encourage people to reach out and follow us on there. I believe if you just search Razorback Hockey on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, you'll find us and then our website as well. And the uh, YouTube is Arkansas Hockey as well, right? To watch games and yeah, yes. I okay, think cool. I think it's Razorback Hockey, I believe. And the season, I want to say, doesn't it start at the beginning of spring, like around February, March? Is it- so we we usually start in about September, September, uh, okay. and we'll run September to around March. And March is usually nationals, uh, but this year due to COVID, uh, everyone is pushed back. So we'll start uh, January, hopefully, and then run into about April this year. So it'll be a shortened season, kind of like every sport, and everyone's having to deal with. But usually, you know, it's kind of a year-round sport from August to March, April. Yeah. Well, definitely go check out the Arkansas Hockey Team. As we talked about at the very beginning, a very successful, one of the many successful sports programs going on up in Fayetteville right now. Coach, it was a pleasure talking with you. Thanks for giving me, as I'm sure the audience could tell, I am not the biggest expert on hockey. <laughs> I love it. Um, I think that it's definitely something that that all of our fan base really get into, just like we do. We buy into so hard with the rest of the fan base, and uh, it was a pleasure talking with you. I appreciate you having me on and you know getting the word out about our program. Enjoy the show. All right, and uh, stay tuned for the final segment with Porter doing the Arkansas Women's Sports Report. We will see you guys next time. Take care. Welcome back to the Hog Talk Podcast, and it's time for your weekly women's sports report presented to you by 1010 Performance Training in Harrison, Arkansas. The women's basketball team had their 2021 season preview meeting this past week with Coach Neighbors along Chelsea Dungey, Amber Ramirez, Jayla Mason, and newcomer transfer Destiny Slocum. They answered questions from media around the country about their season that's starting up just right around the corner. And with the way the past two seasons have ended for the Ladybacks, they are primed and ready for that postseason run. On to the women's cross crunch team where they kept their national number one ranking with a convincing win at the UAB Blazer Classic. The Razorbacks totaled 42 teams points for the team while no other school scored under 100. Up next for the Razorbacks is the SEC Women's Tournament October 30th in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The women's golf team was in action in West Point, Mississippi where the team finished in ninth, but redshirt junior Brooke Matthews from Rogers finishes the event's runner-up behind Pauline Bouchard of South Carolina. Matthews has been the story of the season coming off her five-stroke win at the Blessings. Shooting a 68 in the third round, she moved up from seventh place on the final day to pick up the runner-up spot. Razorback golf team has one more event left in the fall slate as they head to Georgia for the Liz Murphy Fall Collegiate Classic November 6th through the 8th. The number three ranked team soccer team fell to number 15 South Carolina 2-1 at Razorback Field giving Arkansas their first loss of the season. Anna Potagil scored her third goal of the season to tie the game in the 57th minute, but a late goal by South Carolina in the 71st by Samantha Chang gave Carolina the lead for good. Arkansas outshot Carolina 14-8, but couldn't find the back of the net to pick up the win. Next up for the Razorbacks, they head on the road to face Ole Miss to pick up some much-needed points in the Western Division title race on the 25th with first kick set for 3 p.m. The women's tennis team had another great road trip as they headed out to Norman, Oklahoma for a two-day tournament hosted by the Sooners. Senior Martina Zerullo 
was undefeated both days, and she earned the singles champion for the Razorbacks. The Hogs has a week off between events as they are hosting the ITA Central Regional Championship, which is underway right now through Friday. And that will do it for another edition of your Hog Talk podcast, Weekly Women's Sports Report. Be sure to tune in every week as we keep you up to date on all things women's sports going on at the University of Arkansas, presented to you by 1010 Performance Training. Go Hogs! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.